Grab your coffee. It's time for an episode of Chit Chat with the Queer and Creative. I'm your host, Melissa De Silva. Hello, Chit Chatters. I am so glad that you are here with me today, and I hope all of you are doing well. This time of year can be very difficult for many people, especially members of the queer community. A lot of times people will stay in unhealthy relationships just so that they can get through the holiday season. And this is evident by January being the most busiest time for divorce filings than any other time of the year. The statistics say that 50% of marriages end in divorce. And I guess this is supposed to be a bad thing. I personally don't think so. Who is to say that those other 50% are in healthy, loving, safe relationships? It's actually hard for us to keep statistics on divorce rates among same-gender couples since it hasn't been legal to marry in all states for very long. Generally, what has been reported is that the rate is about the same 50% as it is for heterosexual couples. Unlike divorce rates, domestic violence is at the same or even higher than heterosexual couples, and it can occur in any type of relationship. Unfortunately, professionals who are out there to help us, like law enforcement and medical and even therapists, social workers, are often not trained to recognize the signs of abuse in same-gender relationships as they are with heterosexual couples. My guest today and I discuss domestic violence and same-gender relationships. Unfortunately, anyone can end up in an unhealthy relationship and not even realize it. That's why I think it's important to keep discussing the signs of unhealthy relationships and what to do if you or someone that you care about is in an abusive partnership. But before I go into my interview, I want to remind you to subscribe to our podcast show. And please remember to share the word with all your friends and family so that they can listen to Chit Chat with a Queer and Creative. All right, so here is my interview with Kylie O'Connor. Well, thank you for joining me today, Chit Chatters. I am happy to bring my guest, Kylie O'Connor, on. Now, Kylie is from Australia, and I'm so lucky that I get to meet so many different people from all over the world because of this podcast. I'm very, very blessed. Kylie is the Barefoot Warrior. She's a life coach and is working on helping others see their own light and shine through. And I want to thank you, Kylie, for joining us today because you have a very important message to talk about. And it's something that we don't get to talk about a lot because there's a lot of shame behind it, but domestic violence in the LGBTQI community. So thank you so much for coming and talking about this with us. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. Anytime. <laughs> so tell me, how did you get into this type of work? Uh, I was married for 21 years and I had four children. I came out at the age of 41 and I went from, I, my first relationship was pretty good, but it just didn't last. Any relationships were, one was more abusive than the other. And if it wasn't the partner, it was the child involved. And my last one, I lost every possession and had to surrender my dog and move back with my parents. And at that point, you know, I was nearly suicidal and I knew I had to do the work because deep inside, I knew I was worthy of happiness. Mm. Um, so I've been to three different therapists at one point and I knew that I had been on this journey so I could help my beloved community. 
So that's that's what set me on this course of being a life coach. Yeah. Nice. And so do you want to share a little bit about your experience in those abusive relationships? Like how did you figure out it was abusive? Because I know sometimes you don't see the forest when you're in the trees. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for that question. That's a really good question. Um, with one of them, they were an alcoholic. You know, I was an overgiver. I would make excuses because I think, well, how can I improve? I would always turn it back on myself. And um, I wouldn't allow myself to heal in between relationships. So effectively, I was taking that relationship and I, nothing could work because I, just on that one thing, and because I was that wounded, I was attracting people who were just as wounded as what I was. Um, and with, with my last one in particular, there was nothing that he didn't say that I didn't believe in my heart about me, which was a very rude awakening. Wow. Uh, and realise that when someone says to you, you're fat, you're greedy, you're lazy um, and you're stupid and you realise you've been saying that to yourself your whole life and that was a very rude awakening for me. So I set myself on a course to rectify that. And um, what was that course? Uh, I, I committed myself to me. My children are older. My four children wouldn't talk to me the whole time I was with my last partner. So I lost my children for a certain amount of time. And then I just went, I can't do this shit anymore. I just can't do it. Uh, look what I've done to myself. Look what you've done. Now, I understand that, and I'm not victim blaming there, what I was not chosen to look at my, respect the red flags when they came up. Because they came up very, very early in that last relationship. Well, oh, no, no, no. And everyone was going, uh, narcissist, you know. And I, I, that's what I thought I deserved. I felt very magnetised. I had no boundaries. So my commitment to myself was to rediscover me, you know, uh, to learn strategies of why I do what I do and then change my beliefs in what I believe is a healthy relationship. And, and I need to start saying what my needs are mm. because prior to this, my whole life, I didn't think I had a right to talk about what my needs are. You know, and that's that doesn't make sense. But that's what a lot of uh, victims in domestic violence think. That's what they deserve. But I love them. They're wounded. I can heal them. I can save them. And and really, it's not your job to. It wasn't my job to save them because I, I was actually killing myself in the process. You know, I came that close to uh, mental and emotional death. It wasn't funny. You know. Mm. So you have said that you've had several abusive relationships in the past. And I know that is something that happens with a lot of individuals is that they tend to fall into the same types of relationships, even when they don't want to. Why do you think that is? Because deep inside, I believe that that's what I deserved. That's the only benchmark that I've got. My parents had a toxic relationship. I was an overgiver. He ended up being, you know, I work for all of this. He'd work and come home and sit on the lounge and I'd do everything else until the children were a bit older. You know, that very uh, heteronormative, traditional relationship. 
And so I didn't, I had no picture in my head. I'd never sat down and thought, well, what do I need in a relationship? And I, I, I never, ever, ever allowed myself to be vulnerable. Mm. Uh, and that, that, that stems from childhood, which I'm still dealing with. It will still come up, but I'm aware of it now. Um, and because of my childhood, I developed a, an eating disorder as well. So, yeah, there, there's a lot of stuff that I think, for me, stems from my childhood. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's the case for a lot of people too. It's kind of like it's a learned feeling. It's a learned behavior. And mm-hmm. we just kind of continue on with what we know because what we see is what yeah. we learn and what we yeah continue to do. Now, you had yeah. also said that you had come out at 41. Now, mm-hmm. is this something that you knew deep inside or was this a new revelation as you get older? Oh, I've looked at back on that time as a teenager many times. And I think I, I grew up in a very staunch Catholic uh, household uh, and that just wasn't an option because everybody's straight, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody identifies with the, the body they were born into. So uh, I just buried it, and by the time it started coming up at 41, I was just like, I had worked so hard to raise four amazing humans that I felt I didn't lose it. It just morphed into something better, really. You know, I've got four great humans as children, that, and it's been a privilege to be their mother. It really has, and they teach me all the time. That's that's how I view motherhood. It was a privilege. I didn't get it all right. In fact, I probably got a lot of it wrong, but um, uh, she's transgender and um, I'm determined to have a beautiful, healthy relationship with her that I never had with my own mother. So I, I'm endeavouring to use what's happened in my own childhood to change history with me and my, my daughters because I don't want to carry that on for generations. You know, at some point it's got to stop type thing. Were your kids surprised when you came out? Was the family surprised? No, my, my kids were bloody awesome, to be honest. Um, yeah, I think we underestimate children. Um, I, I had that a lot when I came out. Oh, but what about the kids? The kids were fine. Uh, the youngest was a bit, he took a bit to um, cope with it, uh, but he was fine after a while too. So and my ex-husband had the hardest time because, you know, it, I didn't go into that marriage thinking, oh, yeah, in 20 years I'm going to, you know, take off. I went into it for life. So having that revelation at 41 was a bit of a shock for me. And in the end, I I knew it was getting stronger um, and I went to a parish priest and I said, look, you know, he said, I'll go back to your husband because you made a vow 20 years ago. And I went, oh, okay, righto. And three weeks later, I thought, well, that's that's really shitty advice because I've made, even though I've made a vow and it wasn't a, you know, it's a serious vow, you've got, I'm not going to expose my children in five years. In five years, I would have, me and my ex-husband would have hated each other. So what, I exposed them to fighting and I just thought, no, he deserves to have a woman by his side that actually, you know, wants him in his life, wants her, yeah, wants to be with him. Um, and, and I do too. And I thought, yeah, this is the, the only logical thing to do. So I, I think it was harder for him and I than it was for the children, to be honest, yeah. 
Was it difficult to go against what the priest had suggested of like, you know, going back to your husband? Like, that's what you need to do? Uh, no, that was just logical thinking for me. It was more my family um, because I knew I knew what they thought. And that, that was the most, um, yeah, that whole experience shattered every belief I ever had. But I have built better beliefs. I'm more inclusive. You are who you are to me. Just be kind to each other. Be nice. Be respond. Um, that's that's how I work. So I think I'm actually a better human being for actually going through what I've been through. Yeah. Now you had also said that one of your children is transgender. Now, mm-hmm. how old were they when they realized this? Uh, Izzy started wearing her sister's clothes when she was about 11. I didn't cope with it very well because I was still an athlete mindset and I've made amends since then. You know, did the classic, you were born a boy, you should stay in as a boy and all that kind of stuff. Um, And at that point, I didn't know anything about gender and sexuality. I'm a lot more informed now, but I sat it down one day and I thought, well, what are you going to do if he is gay? I thought, nothing, I'm going to love Excuse my wrong pronouns. And after I came out about two years later, she came over and she said, um, Mum, I've got something to tell you. And, oh, what's that, darling? She said, um, I'm a girl and I'm a lesbian. I said, cool, I always wanted a lesbian daughter. And, and that was the end of it. Um, it really was. We have breakfast every Sunday with each other now. There's always some hot butch woman walking past that I go, oh, yeah, she's a bit of real, right? But, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, but life life is pretty, life is good now. You know, life life is very good now. And I honestly wouldn't have my eldest child any other way. I still feel very, very privileged that she felt safe enough for me to come out. And she is strong and opinionated like every other woman in the family, you know, and I just, I, I just adore her. Yeah, I adore all of them, actually. And so in Australia, how is the transgender community accepted? Is it very accepting? Do they still have some more work to do? Uh, yeah, they, they, I think there is work to do. Izzy doesn't really talk about it that much. She did have a work in town uh, that shook her a bit. And, and there was someone who used the wrong pronouns and I was with her and I corrected them because, you know, you just don't get to do that with my kid, you know. Just use no pronouns. Mm-hmm. Like, it really is that easy when you go to buy a coffee, you know, would you like to have your coffee at the, you know, served at the table? You actually don't have to use pronouns when you're in, in retail. But uh, I can't actually answer that, to be honest. Um, she doesn't talk about it a lot. I personally haven't had any issues being the sexuality I am in my workplace, but I've worked with trans people in my job and there hasn't been an issue either. So um, my my workplace is a bit like that though, in other workplaces or any other workplace. So, you know, I, I think there's always going to be work because you've got those polar, you know, things like my, my family still you know, call Lizzie by her original name and that drives me crazy. But I, you know, apologised to her and she said, Mum, just don't worry about it. 
that's who they are. But she also controls how much exposure she has to them. So she can still, you know, and she knows that she's got my full support too. So that makes a big difference, I think. Good. So what would be a tip that you would give other parents if their child came out as transgender? Just love them and ride, ride, ride the, um, not so much the waves, but your child hasn't, see, I always knew, I kept on looking at probably the age of about eight without her wearing her sister's clothes. Like, let's take that out of it. I looked at her and I knew something wasn't quite right and I couldn't put my finger on it. And so when she came out, that was the child I'd always looked for. Mm, interesting. So if you're in touch with that child, even before they come out, if you're close to them, just be observant. Just be observant. And you will see there's something amiss, you know. I, I had my own mother read my diary as a child um, and it really affected me uh, and I refused to do that with my own children. But I realised that if I spent time with them, I didn't have to. And that's what I'm saying to trans parents. It's spend time with them, even if it's I'm the opposite gender at six, sit and read a book with them. Get Take them to the library. I used to do this, take them to the library, get them to choose the books or... or Get on, you know, a digital website where they've got gender diverse books and read them out so they're a bit more comfortable. Now do a bit of exploring, you know, and just get in touch with that inner person of it won't matter about the gender. In the end, it doesn't really, because that child has, has a heart that just longs for that parent's love. That's all it's about. It's about love, you know, to love your child unconditionally. You don't get to say, yeah, I'm going to have this kid and then toss them out the door because, you know, they're not going the way you see that they should they should be going. But mm. that's their journey. You've done your journey. You're doing your journey because my daughters and my kids have taught me so much. So when you open yourself up to the lessons your kids teach you, you become such a better human being. You know, you become vulnerable and you can say, I'm sorry, because a child needs to hear that. They need to hear that, you know, you messed up because you're mm -hmm. human, you know, and they will forgive you because they love you. True. Yeah. And you that's really beautiful. Love Just you. love. Just love them. Yep. Just love them. Thank you so much for sharing your story. You've had an amazing life. Holy smokes. <laughs> and it looks like it's all been for a reason because now you're taking yeah. everything that you've been through and putting it out yeah. there for other people so that you can help them yeah. on their journey. Yep. And we so all deserve so to be happy. We all deserve to be loved and respected. Yeah. That's why I'm here doing your podcast. Yeah. And so if people want to get a hold of you, maybe for life coaching, how can they do that? Um, at this point, I'm building my website, but I do have a Facebook page, which is The Barefoot Coaching. I do a, a live video once a fortnight on different topics. Now, what is once um, a fortnight? Because we don't know what that means. Oh, I'm sorry. I think, oh, yeah, it was that English terminology. Every 14 days. Okay. <laughs> Every other week or so. Sorry. Every 14 days. Um, yeah. My apologies for the terminology. I always think it's the fourth night in the week. That's what comes to mind. No, <laughs> no 
are. <laughs> it's not bad. <laughs> well, Kylie, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. And I'm sure oh, that you're, you're going to be able to share and help so many people in the future. And thank yeah. you so much for all that you're doing. Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, it's, it's, it's my life's purpose. It's, that's what I was born for. That's, that's how I feel about it. You know, it's taken me 51 years to get here, but I get on fire when I talk about it, you know, and I, I look forward to people messaging me saying I, I need your coaching um, because I know I can change their life. Coaching is an amazing avenue to do that. If you're listening out there, you deserve to be happy. You know, shoot me a message, you know, even if you just want to follow me on Facebook for a while, you know, and um, get in contact with me and in these six sessions, we can really hit the ball out of the park and change your life. So, you know, and get you on track with your life. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much. And I'm sure people will contact you on Facebook. Yeah. Thank you very much, Melissa. I hope you enjoyed that interview. I know I sure enjoyed talking with Kylie. If you or somebody you know is in an abusive relationship, make sure you head over to thehotline.org and chat with somebody live or call 1-800-799-SAFE. And if you haven't done so already, make sure you join our Facebook group, Chit Chat with the Queer and Creative, where you can join a community of open-minded, creative individuals just like yourself. So until next time, make sure you keep being amazing and keep loving each other. All right. Love you. Bye-bye.